welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. Hey, guys, good morning. Stand with me. We're going to do this thing that we do every Sunday morning where we do jointly the reading of the Word. Megan, good keys over there. I like the lower octaves. You're right on point. Um, so, we stand for the reading of the Word as a tradition. What we're, why, why do we do that? We're saying God's Word's important. It's significant. If we base our life on it, it can change our life if we believe in it, um, if we apply it. So, starting with verse 21, we're continuing the story of Abram. Everybody read with me, starting with 21. Ready? And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Next verse. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. We got another one there? I believe we do. We do. Oh yeah, here we go. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and their share of the men who went with me. Let Anner, Eshol, and Mamre take their share. That's it. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it says about it that it's living and active and powerful. We just ask that your activated word would be like seed sown into our heart to produce a fruit of your kingdom, of your rightness, of your righteousness in our life, God, that it would bless us and everyone that touches us because they're walking by these trees that are laden with the fruit of your kingdom. So God, let it do its work in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Be seated. Turn to your neighbor say, he said laden. What does that mean? High five. All right. <laughs> it's the first time I've used the word laden in a while. Um, Megan, thank you. Can we give Megan a hand? Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Megan um, was the primary architect behind the sock adventure yesterday as far as getting stuff ready and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Thank you, Megan. Love you. We love you and your long-haired husband. We love both of you. <laughs> I don't know why long-haired husband sounds like a pejorative. It's not. It's okay. <laughs> um, greetings. Good to have you. We are right now doing this journey of Abram. It's an exegetical analysis, which means we're going scripture through scripture through the life of Abram, and we're saying, why is this so important? A number of reasons, right? Why did the entire nation of Israel found themselves on this guy's journey and walk? Why did Jesus say in the book of Matthew, why does it say of him that he's a son of David, son of Abraham? And this is an important figure. So we're walking through it. It's been fun. And here we're at a strange part of the story that I think says a lot of really cool things. And that thing in Matthew, it's an interesting interpretation or designator of who Jesus is. And I was talking to this guy who's a really smart theologian, Friday, and I was saying to him, do you know Matthew calls Jesus the son of Abraham and the son of David? And that's, as far as I can tell, I can't find any other place in the scripture at the beginning. It says, this is the story about Jesus. He is the son of Abraham and the son of David. And why does it say that about him? 
Because on the one hand, the Davidic line is the kingly line, the line of ruling and reigning. It's the king's church idea. This little K king's church that God has called you where you are in your place of influence to rule and reign the place that he's given you influence with peace, right? And we talked about this last week. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness and he rules over Salem, which is the shortened derivative of Jerusalem. It becomes Jerusalem and that is the city of peace. So the king of rightness, when we follow his pattern, we rule the places that God has called us to rule in peace and in righteousness. And the idea of King's Church is God has called you to rule somewhere. He's called you in both as a priest and a king, right? The priest is the guy that goes before the father. It's this spiritual idea. But then there's this earthly idea that we would not abdicate the street that we live on. Right, that we would rule in peace over the areas that God has called us to possess, whether it's our workplace or our family or our whatever. Have you ever met a family in chaos? The kids are in chaos. You walk into the house. The house looks like chaos. The parents are not ruling the place in peace. And if anywhere they're called to rule, it's their own household. Right? So this idea of King's Church is God has called you to be a ruler. And it's this really cool kind of poetic idea. And you think of kings and crowns and all of this kind of stuff. It's to show the allegory that you're called to rule. But where do you start with but your own heart and your own home and your own street? Because everybody wants to be the king. Right? Everybody's got the little boy voice, the little girl voice in their heart that says, I want to be the guy that rules. But very few people are willing to rule their own heart with peace. Have you ever met somebody that's just a slave driver of their own heart? You're not doing enough. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You need to be doing more. There's not enough of you. Do more. You're not righteous enough. God doesn't like you. He's angry at you. That the first place that you're called to rule with peace is your own heart. That you're called to guard, Proverbs, guard your heart above all else for from it flow out the springs of life. And if you can't guard your heart with peace, you're going to have a hard time guarding your home with peace and your kids with peace and your workplace with peace and your city with peace. And everybody's all about like cities and all this great stuff. And it starts in the heart. So Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king over Salem, city of peace, is this pattern that we believe that God wants us to live like, right? Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. Okay, let's keep going into Genesis. So here we are. We're following this guy, Abraham, and he is this guy that's, a, a, some theologians think he's actually a Babylonian. He's not an Israelite. He's pre-Israelite. He's pre-the people of God, and he's called from this Mesopotamian region to leave the place where he has almost everything he needs. He has his money figured out, he has his family mostly figured out. He has his stuff figured out. He's in this trade city, and God says, leave what you know and go into the place that's uncomfortable and unknown and follow my promise. It says, God, it says, it says Abram hears the promise of God and follows, and then he's blessed inordinately. Right? He leaves the comfortable and goes to the uncomfortable. He leaves the known and goes to the unknown. Hebrews says, he went out not knowing wherefore he was going. He followed God on the land where I say, Fonz, come with me behind the wall. And you say, well, what's behind the wall? And I say, you're not allowed to ask that question. You're just allowed to say, yeah, I trust you, David. 
I trust you and I'll go. And that is the contingency how God blesses his people. He says, just follow me. We'll get into that in a little bit here. Abram does it. And, he's, and, and, and this is like the central part I don't want to miss in this story. He's looking for a son. He wants a son. He wants a lineage. He wants progeny to come forth from him. And he's without a son. And so he makes this deal with God. And God says, follow me into the unknown. And God says, this is what I'm going to give you. You need a son. I'm going to give you an entire nation. What does that mean? A nation is a son on steroids. I mean, not on steroids, actually. You don't want him beating up his mom. But you know what I mean? It's like a son and 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 sons and sons and sons. And it's dimensionally greater than his need. His need is a son and God's promise is a nation. What? It's like if my needs were roller skates and God bought me a Bugatti. You know what I mean? Like... I wanted rollerblades badly as a kid, and God's like, hey, I got you a Lamborghini. It is a dimensionally greater promise that God promises Abraham. He looks to his area of need and says, the blessing I'm going to give you is phenomenally bigger than what you need. And he wants a kid. He wants a son. He wants offspring. He wants something that his physical body literally cannot provide for him. He cannot do it on his own. He is, it is impossible for him to create that. And God promises something dimensionally greater, which is phenomenal. And I saw this other picture today that Abraham is looking for life to spring forth from his body, his being, and his wife's. And life that is the progenitor or gives out more life and life and life. A nation coming forth from you is the picture of life flowing out forth from your being, creating more life, creating more life, creating more life. And it's this pattern of life, almost this eternal picture, almost like Abraham is looking for eternal life or life to flow through him for generations and generations and generations. And it's only something God can give. That's pretty intense, Engelhart. All right, so here we are, and he's on this journey, and he's looking for the promise of God to be fulfilled. He just took this battle. There was a battle, Abram and his 318 kings. I found this other thing that, that it looks like by the end of this chapter that he actually had partnered with some regional guys to help defeat these regional kings. Um, I'll share about that potentially later, but... He defeats these kings, he saves his nephew Lot, who was kidnapped, and he takes all of the people from the city Sodom, who Lot is a part of, and all of their wealth, and he's bringing it back down, and he meets this guy, the king of Sodom, his name is Berat. And Berat is about to offer Abraham a gift. Melchizedek just offered him a gift, gave him bread and wine, which is this picture of communion and all these other cool things we talked about last week. You can listen to our podcast if you want to catch up on it. Um, and I was thinking about just the gift thing. Like, 
the name Barat means son of evil, right? He comes from Sodom. It's a bad place, place of burning, scorched earth place. It's a bad deal. You don't want to take something from a guy like that. It's a bad idea. But I'm thinking about just this gift idea, I'm in part because when you gave out all these socks, I'm in this gift mode frame of mind. I, I know in the story there's this gift situation where Abraham had just given Melchizedek a gift, a tenth of all he had, and then Barat is going to try to give Abraham a gift himself. And I was just thinking about, like, you ever, ever, ever want something, but you don't know exactly what you want? So you're like, oh, I'm not sure what I want for this Christmas, but this water bottle is great, so I'll take this. I'll take it. Uh, or you, as a kid, you don't really know what you want because you don't really get your own desires totally. And so you fixate on something, and you're like, oh, I want a Red Ryder BB gun. Okay, that's okay. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. I remember one year I wanted the Hot Links electric guitar. Does anyone remember that? Tyson, you remember that? You're about my age. Hot Links, electric, digital guitar, the digital guitar, circa 1993. And I remember like listening to the commercial, and it was like this Jimi Hendrix, like, and I was like, this is my way to greatness. I'm going to get the Hot Links electric guitar. It's digital, and, and it's gonna, I'm going to give a band. My brothers are going to be my roadie slaves. They'll follow me around. I'll make it finally out of the small town, upstate New York life. And so it's getting close to Christmas time, and I send my brother into the locked room to pick the lock to find out what we got, which is not good. But I wasn't going to do it, but I would send a brother to do it. So he's army crawling into the room, and he comes back with the reconnaissance, and he's like, listen, there is a Hot Licks electric guitar in the room. And I'm like, yes, 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 exactly what I wanted. So, you know, Christmas comes around, and parents, like, you know your kids are liars when they're over, overly exuberant about a thing. Like, because you're like, I gotta pretend, I know what it is, but I gotta be really overexcited. Like, I don't know what it is, right? So then you're like, yeah, it's the greatest thing. I get out the Hot Licks guitar, and I, like, I'm like about to do eruption or, you know, something amazing. And I just start whacking it, whacking on, and it's like, Beep, boop, beep. This sounds nothing like the commercial, right? <laughs> it's like, I've been duped. Like, it must be on the wrong setting. So, like, you know, you set it to the Jimi Hendrix setting. Get ready to go here. And it's like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> the worst non-electric guitar sounding digital guitar that there ever was. But the advertising was so amazing. <laughs> that I thought it was this like great, you know, this great thing. Because there are gifts out there that we think we want that are not the thing that we actually want, nor are they thing, the thing that they promised to be. And the thing that you need in the story is the thing that you can't actually get on your own. The thing that you're longing for is the thing that's in God's domain his purview. It's under his control. And you can't get it any other way than going to him and following his path. And all day long, I talk to people like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Or like the big questions are, who am I? Like, am I supposed to take this job? And I'm like, the big questions are in God's domain. The big fulfillments live in God's domain. How will I? Who should I? All of those things were like, because when I choose that thing, I choose the Hot Licks electric guitar. I choose the stupid gift that's a distraction 
that's been advertised to me poorly that certainly does not do what I think it's going to do in my mind. But God holds, this is a crazy story. This white Telecaster right here, it's like a $1,000 guitar. I wanted an American Telecaster for forever. Um, and I was praying one time, and I felt like the Lord said to me in my heart, inside, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. So I like trying to save my money to get a guitar. And, and I would never have chosen a guitar that expensive because I was early on, we were married, we were just like youth pastoring, which, believe it or not, doesn't pay that well. <laughs> and I just didn't have the extra money for it. And um, some a kid walk, came up to me and like, if I could have chosen a guitar, it would have been that guitar that I would have chosen. And he said, I feel like the Lord told me to give you this guitar. It's like a $1,000 guitar. I'm like, I can't take it. You can't do that. It's not allowed. Go home, you know. Go home. Like for three or four months, he kept coming up to me. I really feel like, David, I'm supposed to give you this guitar. And I'm like, no, no, no. Finally, I said, talk to your parents. And his parents came up to me and they said, hey, we're going to let him do it. He feels like he's supposed to do it. And it was like literally like the thing that I couldn't get that was, and it's been, I've, it's been the, the favorite guitar that I've ever owned in my entire life. And it was like, it was like God, give, God has what you need. And when we scramble and scratch and fight and divide and conquer and scour and strategize, oftentimes we get the hot licks. Right? Oftentimes we get the thing that is not what we really need. It's not what's really promised. But if we're willing to, and this is the whole thing with Abraham, go on the journey with God. The, the wrong side is that it's a stasis condition where you say a prayer and then you get moved into a new house. Like, oh, I said a prayer, now I'm in the new house and this is where I live. That is not how the story goes. It's this daily living, following, pursuing, learning, relying, trusting. Because if there was no reliance, if there was no trusting, we'd be like, we're done with you. We got the stuff, we're going away, I got the hot licks guitar, see you later. But this process of Abram is waiting for a nation from God. You have to be ridiculous to believe in the promise in the first place. You have to be stupid if you're walking around without offspring, without a child, believing that God is actually going to give you what he said. It's crazy, it's crazyville. So, we got this guy, Barat. And um, we saw, I talked to him about him just a little bit previously. His name is, I just mentioned, son of evil is, his, is the Hebrew root name. Um, and it's a, a cool thing about just the scripture is a lot of people don't know how to read or interpret, but the interpretation is right there in it. Right? It's right in it if, you're, if, you, if you dig it. So you find out Sodom is a bad place called a place of burning, scorched earth. Barat means king of evil. So it automatically sets up the story, the background that they didn't have at that time because they're passing these stories really. Um, the writings don't come around, come around until, well, later. But they're first verbal and then they get written. Um, so this is what happens. His name means son of good, excuse me, son of the devil or son of evil. And I, I was thinking about this guy's name because um, when I'm thinking about how he's communicating to Abraham, I want to look at his identity and who he is to, to try to understand the perspective of this guy. 
And I was thinking about just the name Son of Evil, right? It's a weird name. It's, it's a bizarre name, and it's, it's, it's archaic almost to say Son of Evil or Son of the Devil or something like that. And I was thinking probably the modern person that, that has a, 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 a um, distant view of Jesus or God would really like, you know, the Jesus thing is not like, no one's son of evil, everybody's good, everybody's just out there trying their best to make it happen. And I remembered specifically that Jesus called certain Pharisees sons of the devil, sons of the curse, sons of the wrong way, sons of the dark way. And there was all these other guys that were sons of faith, sons of God, sons of all of these kind of contrasts. And so here it is in, in John 8, 31. And Jesus is teaching the Jews. Some of him are his actual disciples are there. And this is an axiomatic statement from Jesus. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then, so there's a contingency, right? Then, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and there's other non-disciple Jews in the setting. And he says, if you hold to my teachings, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you're holding to my teachings, that's how I know you're a true disciple. And people say this phrase exactly the opposite way. Of course they do, right? They say, I just need to know the truth and the truth will set me free. So I'm not looking for Jesus or to adhere to him or to be a disciple. Since the enlightenment, I am, as David Engelhart, the center to determine whether a thing is true or not. So I don't come to Jesus to know the truth. I determine whether something is true. I want you to do this. You make me free and you give me the truth and then I will follow you. That's exactly the opposite of what Jesus says to do. He says, come to me, follow my teachings. If you're following my ways, then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. So the first thing, and you're talking about coming to God, right? Listen, I didn't make this up. This is not my, if you want your own universe in the future, you can do it your own way, right? Like, we do it God's way because it's his universe. And this is what he said. First come to me, which necessitates humility necessitates the ability to say, I don't know everything, I'm going to come to you, I'm going to follow your way, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the areas of life where you have bondage and where you're stuck, the pattern is to first follow the way of God, and then as you follow the way, he reveals to you his truth, and his truth then sets you free. I think that's amazing. I think that's not only amazing, I think it's exactly the pattern of Abraham that he first follows God. He first follows this way into the unknown, into the uncomfortable, and there's chaos, and there's pain, and there's war, and he lies, and he deceives people, and he's not always a great guy, but he's following the way of God. And God starts to bring, as we'll see in the next chapter, freedom, and the promises start to be fulfilled. So the Pharisees get angry when Jesus says that, and he says, no, this is cool, this is great. They say, we're not slaves of anybody. We don't need to be free. Like, what an arrogant statement, first of all, right? You're saying to the Son of God, we're not anybody's slaves. We don't need this come to me and be free jazz. They say, um, and as a matter of fact, we are Abraham's descendants. So they are, this is great, because Abraham is the guy. Jesus is like, perfect, my guy, Abraham. We're Abraham's descendants. We're not slaves to you. And Jesus says, 
You may be his descendants, but you're not his children. That's amazing to me. Because God's promise is that, that, that there would be a nation that is given birth through Abraham, but not of descendants as in per- perfect lineage, but the children of faith, the children of God. And Jesus says, you guys who will not submit to God's way are literally sons of the devil, but he who hears God, he actually says this, if you were sons of the father, you would do as Abraham did, which is hear God, rely on him in faith and obey and that makes you a son. That brings you into, through Jesus, through his blood, through his covenant, that brings you in. Um, that's cool. It's good stuff. So, so this is a guy. His name is Son of Bera. He's a son of evil. He says to Abraham this phrase. Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. This Hebrew transliteration, which I really like, says, give me the soul and take thou the substance. Give me the soul and you take the substance. Now listen, Abraham just risked his life, his family, all the guys in his house, and all of these relationships around him to save Lot, who was a part of this guy's kingdom, if you will, city that he lived in. And this guy's saying, like, kind of like, all right, well, kind of thank you for what you did, kind of you take the substance and I'll keep the soul, which is just so perfect to me because the thing that Abraham wants is a nation and an offspring, and the thing that's promised to him is the thing the son of evil will not let go. He says, you take the stuff, I'll keep the people, the soul, the thing that makes me a king, the thing that gives me a nation, they're mine, you get the bad guys, or you get the, the goods, the gear, the product. And it's so funny, like, he's giving Abraham this gift that not only he doesn't want, but he just doesn't need at all. And have you ever been given a gift that you just don't want or need? I remember it was like, I don't know, 13, 14. It was like New York Jets. Oh, God bless him, please. Um, I wanted like a New York Jets hat and shirt and jacket, and I grew up a miserable Jets fan. But I was 13, 14, and you want to identify as a young man with something strong and makes you tough and sports, all that kind of stuff. Let me get some jet stuff. I said to this family member who was, this family member was like, you get the great gifts from, right? They were like, David, what do you want this year? And I was like, oh, jet's gear. Give it to me. So Christmas morning comes around. We kind of go for our presents. And I, I, I see this one family member's present like in the corner. And it's this oblique shaped object. And I'm like, oh, is it a football? I don't know. You know, so I go over and then I <laughs> unwrap this thing thinking it's a Jets paraphernalia and it's a canteen. <laughs> it's not even a Jets canteen. <laughs> it's just a plain old canteen. And I'm like, did we not have a conversation here? The one family member that I thought was like going to come through for me, you know? My brothers are playing digital guitars. Wow, that actually worked. It's a cant- canteen. It's a canteen here, huh? <laughs> Scarred. It's like the people that don't know you don't even give you 
anything, like if they don't know you, like if they don't know you, they don't actually know what you need. The king of Barrow, the king of evil, has no idea what's in Abraham's heart. He thinks he wants stuff. He thinks he wants riches. He thinks he wants, like, he thinks he wants things. And the longing of his heart is a people, a nation, a son to be given forth from him. And the king that is from the other kingdom offers him literally the opposite thing. I was playing that guitar at a men's camp like nine years ago, eight or nine years ago. And I was finished, and I was relatively immature at the time, so instead of engaging with normal humans, I like was on the corner fiddling with it, trying to hide from the normal humans. The pastor that was speaking walked up to me, and he's like, hey, you know, decent job up there. <laughs> he's like, I love that. American Telecaster, beautiful guitar. What year is it? 2000, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I say, yeah, cool. But you know that it's not only a Fender, but it's a Telecaster, and you also know the nation that it was made in. That's a cool thing, right? You're, you're pretty deep in knowledge. You're a guitar player if you know that, right? So I say to him, yeah, great. Well, like, what do you play? What, what, what kind of guitar do you have? And he said, I don't have a guitar. I said, what? I mean, would, do you, did you? And he said, I don't play guitar. And I said, well, how do you know, not that I just have a guitar, but you know the specific make, model, year it was made. Like, you know about, how, how is this? He said, David, when my son was 14 or 15, his heart started to move away from my heart. There was a separation in our relationship, and I couldn't figure it out or fix it. And he said, I was trying to bring him in to do church stuff, like whatever, media, whatever, and it seemed like it was actually driving us farther apart. I was making him come to stuff with me, and it was frustrating because I'm leading a church and trying to like lead people, and I can't even have a relationship with my own son. I don't know how, to, how this works. And so he said, so one day I was praying, and I said, Lord, I'm trying to do the thing. I'm trying to get my son to come to church. His heart, he seems hard. I can't connect with him. And the father is like tearing up when he's telling me the story, like he's brokenhearted that he's losing the relationship with the son at this really pivotal point in the son's life. And the father says, and I felt like the Lord said in my heart, why don't you build a bridge on something that he loves rather than it's something that you love? Like you're trying to build this bridge on church and your job and your obligations and your priorities. Why don't you actually learn about his heart and find something that he loves and build the bridge there? And he said, David, so I started reading about guitars like crazy. And I knew everything, and I can tell you everything about every one of his guitars, and I became a guitar fanatic. And in a few months, we were talking guitars, and it led to building a bridge to all of these other areas of relationship that had been shut off, because as a father, I was willing to come down, condescend, and meet my son on his plane in the place where his heart was. Because a good father knows the heart of his son. The evil king, the bad guy, has no idea what's in the son's, what's in Abraham's heart, but God knows the thing that really makes Abraham tick. And that's why you see in the next chapter, literally the next whole thing is God comes to Abraham and says, I know what you want. 
I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Leave the tent that you're in. Look at the stars in the sky. And like that will be the nation that I give you. Exactly what he needs because he's a good father that loves Abraham. So he makes a proposition, take the goods, I'll take the son. And Abraham says, I made an oath to God, the possessor, framer, Lord of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread nor sandal, whatever the word is. It basically means shoelace. It's a piece of sandal. I will not even take that from you. There's all kinds of brilliance in there. First of all, he's not taking, he refuses to take anything from the kingdom of the son of evil. And if he was, and it's amazing, why does he say thread or shoelace, essentially? Because if he was to take something from that guy's kingdom, it would be with him everywhere he goes. Everywhere he puts his feet, he's carrying something from the king of evil. And why is it thread? Because it's literally the garment that he wears. It's thread and shoe that it makes up where you go, you'll remember. And he says, I've lifted up my hand. And this is the first time he uses the name of God, the same name that Melchizedek's name, when he called upon God, possessor. In Hebrew, that word means framer of the universe architect or framer of the universe. I'm relying on the guy, not the finished carpentry, not the stuff that you see, but the guy that framed, guy, God that framed the universe is who I'm relying upon. He's the possessor, framer, and Lord. And I'm relying on him for my promises. So it's a response to that take my stuff and he's like, I don't need your stuff. You don't know what I need. But who, the stuff that I need, the one I'm relying on can give it to me. He's the framer. He's the possessor. And Lord means I'm walking consistently with him. Uh, last point here. I, um, I was just thinking about this father, the gift Barat is trying to give this gift to Abram. He refuses it. He had already given this gift to Melchizedek. And, and I was thinking about the desire of Abraham's heart to have a son and how dimensionally greater it is than substance, than a thing, right? Than getting stuff. With my kids, all three of them, each kid, the birth of each kid has been something just beautiful and significant. Leon, Solomon, and Goldie, every time, has been like a gift from God. There's just like so much New York City culture, right? That's about stuff and posture and position and like the right kind of coat. And it's so shallow in comparison with the gift of life the gift of a son, the gift of a daughter, the gift of life that comes from... You're made in the image or likeness of God who is the giver of life. You can also... Right? And it's this idea that children themselves are a gift of God. Proverbs says that children are inheritance of the Lord. And if you look at that word, inheritance, it's like something that you don't deserve that's gifted from another 
for your stewardship, for you to take care of. This is um, Psalm 127. It says, Behold, children are a gift of God, a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from, from God. And just thought, Abraham has made this deal with God. He's out here wandering. It's chaos. Some of the promises seem fulfilled. There's blessing in some spot, but he's still waiting for the gift from God. And then finally, the, the Lord gives him the son. All of these things start to multiply, and his, the promise becomes fulfilled through another gift. And this is the thing about children are a gift from God. The J Jesus in a manger, the fulcrum of the whole Christmas story, the centerpiece to all of it, is Jesus as a gift of God to humanity, undeserved, not postured to receive. You didn't work for it. You didn't do anything for it. But as a child, he's a gift to us to make a way to create a new covenant, a new way of being to know God that's gifted to us, Emmanuel, God with us. That as Abraham relied on the promise of God for a gift of a new life, God, by exponential measure, gifted us with his son Jesus. And I, I just, I'm always struck with that during the Christmas season. Undeserved. Nobody was fasting and praying. It doesn't say, and because they started acting righteously, I decided it's about time to fix this whole chaos. It's not that at all. It's an undeserved kiss from God, the gift of his son, Jesus. In the lineage of Abraham, Abraham and David, son of Abraham, son of David, the book Matthew declares it as that. His name means gift. Matthew means gift of God. And he's saying this is the gift that God was giving through Abraham to us. Jesus. That's it? I'll just stand up with me. I just think in this season, just to let our focus be reminded on the gift that God has given and wants to give. In knowing Him and moving with Him, in journeying with Him. Like that little, you know, on my mom's mantelpiece, that little tiny baby Jesus, little figurine. You're like, let it remind me the nature of God is to be a giver of undeserved gifts because he loves you. It's his desire to know you and be restored in relationship. Is that good? Why don't you just take a minute to bow your head with me. Lord, We thank you for the gift of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God, that like Abraham, you made a way for us to come and have relationship with you through your son, Jesus. God, that you would take us on the adventure of faith. God, that you would partner with us, Lord, that you would breathe into our hearts the things that we think we need or think we want, but God, that you have the answer. God, you have the gift. 
And Lord, we just ask this season, this week, this month, with family, with friends, with loved ones, as we walk the street, we would be reminded of your goodness, your desire to know us, be God with us. And Lord, we just say thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We really believe that God wants you to know him in a personal and tangible way. If there's any way we can assist your journey, please reach out to kcnyc.org.